Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. And welcome to the Scofflaws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Kate, it's been a minute. <laughs> uh, Life yeah. got busy for both of us. Uh, that's a way you could put it. Yeah, that, that is a way we can put it. But like the phoenix, we arise from the ashes. Yeah, we uh, we were definitely... As I flap in the air like an effeminate chicken. <laughs> I had the video switched off for that. <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> Welcome back, y'all. All right. So, what what have you done in the oh shit and fuck about eight months since we've last recorded? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I not not much different. I had to think about it. There's really not much different in my life than eight months ago. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of. That that could be the millennial T-shirt, like spinning our wheels, going nowhere. <laughs> I'm eight months closer to graduating, but I still have a year and a half left. There's that. I'm just eight years. I'm just eight years. Jesus, I'm just eight months closer to dying. He went wrong. <laughs> All right. So before I ask you about the, today's episode, something just came out on the desk. It's a Florida man alert. I was going to find an actual, like, audio clip. I think I'm just going to leave that in. <laughs> okay, so I know... Okay, so welcome to Florida Man Alert, our new segment where we look into breaking headlines from America's favorite superhero, Florida Man. Now, Kate, I do know that when we did the Florida Man episode, I did, uh, I did throw you a curveball with a fairly... A fairly evil thing that Florida Man did to some raccoons. Um, uh, I'll pretend like I remember that, yes. <laughs> um, it was over a year ago. It was over a year ago. Um, I got one that's a little bit more wholesome here for you, because sometimes we have okay. to show that Florida Man does have a good side. I mean, I'll believe anything you say at this point. Florida Man. Prize open a gator's mouth to get his dog back. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's all you need to know, folks. Yep. He wanted his dog back, so he pried open something that has the enough force to crush a car door. Is that true? I don't remember. Gators have some terrifying jaw strength, but you can hold it shut with a rubber band. They, they have they have the bite strength. Uh, they don't. Have, so this is my uh, aquarium training. 
uh, uh, sea otters have a stronger bite strength than an alligator. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. Something about otters but doesn't strike. Alligators are still... Sorry. No, go for it. Alligators are still... Alligators are still terrifying and have really big teeth and can kill you. Yeah, no, they're they're living dinosaurs. Yes. And something about otters doesn't strike me as apex predator. They actually are the keystone species of their ecosystem. You're kidding me. They have, Their bite strength is so much that they can bite through sea urchins and any type of shellfish. Those little cute things that break urchins on a rock on their tum-tums. Yes. All right. All right. What what are we talking about today, Kate? All right. So as much as I wish it was sea otters, they are too wholesome. Uh, We are talking about, I'm going to try to say this in a Scottish accent, but bear with me. This is not my strong point. Gregor McGregor. Gregor McGregor. The name so twice, we named it twice. (laughs) Try that again. No, I think I want that take. (laughs) The name's so nice, we named it twice. There we go. So, uh, in our preview episode, we mentioned that this is kind of the season of the con. Uh... For some reason, every idea that was on our list was some form of con man. And this is no exception. Uh, He's Scottish. And he was a general. A Scottish general. I really want to do a Scottish accent, but whenever I try to do a Scottish accent, it sounds drunk and vaguely racist. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So... Basically, what happened, this is big high level of Gregor McGregor, is he convinced three countries that he was prince of a fictional island. Three three whole countries. Three entire countries. Yes. That he was prince of where? Of the Principality of Poyer. The Principality of Poyer? Correct. Uh, So in 1820, he came back to London because he was in the Royal Navy and announced to everyone that would listen, I think including Parliament, he had been named uh, Cacique, which is Prince, of the Principality of Poyer. Hey, do you know about the Principality of Poyer? Do you know about it? No, no. I mean, we should, shouldn't we? Yeah, I guess we should. Okay, hail the Prince of Poyer! So basically, it's a fictional island in Central America. He claimed it was located in the Bay of Honduras, and it had been bestowed upon him by native chief King Frederick Augustus I of, wait for it, the Mosquito Shore and Nation. That's quite an Anglican name for somewhere off the coast of Honduras. Yep. He he's uh, related to the Bernie Madoff of his time. <laughs> and, and and what time frame was this? Eighteen twenty is when he made the declaration. Eighteen twenty. All right. So according to the Economist, uh, he required lots of money to tap into this resource. 
And it was all done through an elaborate publicity campaign. It was it was the Nigerian prince scam with a stage show. Exactly. Oh, points points were going over the top. Gregor McGregor. So, uh, basically, the reason that he got away with this is that the economy of both France and England was kind of exploding right now. All right. Um, yeah, this would be right around Industrial Revolution times, wouldn't it? It's right at the start. So the technical t- start of the Industrial Revolution is 1750s-ish. Like, that's the touch of the beginning. Uh, what we think of this as the Industrial Revolution is generally around 1860 until 1920 or 30. Uh, but... Uh, the reason that the economy was booming is because Napoleon had been defeated. So you got this guy that's trying to take over Europe and then he fails. Those economies are growing back and the British economy was being driven by manufacturing and it was still primitive manufacturing, but like also like the industrial revolution was starting so wages were rising, the cost of living was falling, people had savings, everyone was in a really good mood. And we're not quite to the jungle yet. Correct. Got so I- loans loans were a thing too, interest rates were going down and things like that. Man, don't I wish that was right now. Uh, for real. <laughs> There's hope. There's always hope. Uh, actually, if you look at economic trends, this is part of a trend. Uh, However, because of that, Gregor McGregor was convincing people to invest their savings into this fake island. Yeah. Uh, And it it just is bad. This is definitely Nigerian prince level bad. What what, what did they get for investing in this island? Was it was it land? Was it a kickback? Like what what was the the carrot at the end of the stick here? Emigration. So getting people to emigrate to this non-existent island. So give me your life savings and you get a a nice bungalow on this tropical paradise. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably fall for it. Yeah, well, also this fits with the time because investing in Latin American economies was considered, quote unquote, fashionable. So there were tons of new countries to invest in after um, after the collapse of the Spanish Empire in that area. So these countries were being ruled by themselves, sort of. They were also puppet governments for other colonial empires, and but these but middle class and upper class English and French citizens thought it was fashionable to help their lesser fortunate governments by donating money. Get out of London. See what it is. Uh, see what it's like to see more than three feet in front of your face. Exactly. I remember reading that. At, uh, it's probably a, a few decades further than where we are right now, but the point where London, the already foggiest city in the world, uh, got that big smog problem from all the, the factories that were starting to build up, and it just became like a fog of death. Yeah, exactly. So he had, um, so here's his sales pitch. It's kind of documented because 1820s, everything was documented. So 
he uh, uh, supposedly wrote a book talking about this island, this amazing island, and uh, it had promised friendly natives, this is a, a quote, friendly natives, a mild climate, and fertile soil. They were f The forests were filled with valuable timber. It was strategically well-placed near Panama, with plans for a canal being mooted even in the early 1800s, end quote. From the economist people wanted that canal yeah the the canal had been in talks for over almost a hundred years it's that's another conversation for another time talking about american imperialism and we thought duke nukem forever was delayed right i don't understand that reference that's my one video game joke of the episode gotcha <laughs> kind of saw that this is too good to be true at some points, like the promise that the natives are friendly to the British. No natives were ever friendly to the British. Why would they? The British sort of walk over to a place and say, we own this and we don't care if you like it or not. But, mm -hmm. I, but I have to ask, was he saying friendly or friendly, Sean says with air quotes? He was saying like they were genuinely friendly towards the English. All right. I'm just saying, with, with a con like this, it doesn't surprise me to flaunt wide tracts of land and friendly natives, to quote it, a Monty yeah. Python. That's correct. So, like I mentioned before, he was basically compared to Bernie Madoff. All right. So, his to put it into perspective, uh, Bernie Madoff actually raised more uh, than McGregor, but his biggest, McGregor's biggest swindle raised 200,000 pounds in 18, the 1820s. And over his lifetime, his bond market frauds ran to 1.3 million pounds, which is around 3.6 billion today. Jesus. It's a lot of money. Yeah, no, that's that's a lot of money for telling a tall tale. So, his dream came crashing down really quickly, actually. As as these stories tend to go, I am so shocked that once people got ready to go to this island, they found out that it's just a big puddle of water. So, yeah, exactly. We mentioned the bonds and everything that people investing in other con countries. That was actually a kickstart to the British stock market. And if you look at the charts, the trending charts, after 1822, between 1822 and the middle of 1823, the bond, uh, the amount of, like, the market price or the bond of Poirier just crashes. It's almost a straight line down <laughs> instead of a gradual slope. The slope is, like, I don't know math, but like almost all, like 100%. Hey, this island ain't real at all. Yes. So the reason that it wasn't the fact that like settlers weren't finding that it was real because he did bring people over there. Um, he was able to fill seven sh ships. Uh, however, people started to figure out that the debt raised for Latin American governments uh, was really high and England didn't officially recognize a lot of Latin American governments. Why would they? They're Britain. Exactly. 
So um, the other big cause of the decline was that France announced plans to depose the Spanish government and in in Latin America, and that caused all Latin American bonds to fall sharply, and the price of Poirier's bonds is down 16% in 1822 alone, which is a lot. 16% in a bond is holy shit. Yeah, no, I I mean, that that's sort of a precursor to our, our modern stock market. And my work on our on the homepage uh, has a stock market ticker, and I see it go up or down like maybe max five points, like sixteen. Yeah, like if 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 we we worry, the stock market will cause worry if it goes down like two or three percent. Yeah, in a quarter. But as a quick aside, I always like to imagine uh, France, Spain, and England around this time period in the last two centuries or so before it as that episode of Tom and Jerry where Tom, Jerry, and the dog decide to be friendly, but it all devolves at the end and they're just all in a like a Mexican tr- uh, standoff just beating each other. Yep. That's, uh, that's the – that is French history or French and English and Spanish history for at least 300 years. We're going to try and be friends. And then it goes horribly wrong. So after all this happened, because McGregor was pitting countries against each other, he ran away to France. And and started it all up again. Yeah. So basically, all he sent two ships of settlers. He had filled seven ships. He sent two ships ahead of them. And a lot of those settlers defended uh, McGregor. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely an island here. I don't know what you guys are yeah. talking about. Burp, 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 burp. Or they said something. I don't know. It, they're not quite clear. If you want to read more about it, there's a book called The Land That Never, Never Was by David Sinclair, who is one of the best authors in history. Just going to say. Maybe they found the Latin American version of Innsmouth. Who knows? Maybe. So when McGregor went back to France, he continued his his fraud he wrote a constitution for Poyer because <laughs> Poyer had turned into a, a, a republic, not a principality. As, as someone who writes fake documents all the time, I applaud his, his commitment. God, out of context, that sounds so smarmy. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm writing two fake deeds after we're done with this. Remember, friends, Sean works at the Renaissance Fair, as do I. That's what that means. Yes, He's no. not committing fraud. No, these these are for a play, as, as far as I can <laughs> analogize. These are for a play. I am not trying to swindle some old lady out of her home. My mustache is not nearly curly enough for that. We can make that happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, the French government was not about to sit by for this, though. When McGregor started petitioning more people to settle in a place that didn't exist, the French actually started investigating that. <laughs> and in on December 7th, 1825, he was arrested and spent two months in prison. Wow, <laughs> that, that's a very short sentence. Oh, no, that was before his trial. Ah, okay. 
So he had two trials in 1826, one in April and one in July. He was acquitted. Yeah, no, there's totally an island there. Blah, 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 blah. But one of his co-conspirators was sentenced to 13 months in prison. Prison in 18... 18- in 1825 was not happy, just so you know. It was awful. No, that that was the point where you got shackled to manacles that were on the wall that were about two feet above your head. Sometimes. It was more, you had straw on a floor. And watch out, Lander. That's kind of an idea. That was your bed and your toilet. Exactly. Sometimes you had a bucket, depending. In America, the prisons were a little nicer. Uh, so after his acquittal... McGregor returned to London, where he still claimed to be the cacique of the Republic of Poirier, and he opened an office near the Bank of England. Someone gave him an office. No, he just bought it. Still, you have to sign deeds for that stuff. You have to sign paperwork. Yeah. So he was dedicated to his fucking con. Everyone who's listening knows that this has failed. He kept trying to sell bonds. He kept trying to sell land. And now was calling himself the president of the Poison Republic. Uh, and issued 3% consolidated stock bonds. Commitment. He kept trying to sell certificates of land in Poyer in uh, 1834. And in 1837... He wrote a new constitution for Poyer, but backdated it for 1836. Okay, I have to stop you right here because I don't think people are making the connection here. You've just pretty much said that he's kept this con going in one form or the other for about 17 years. Correct. Commitment. Yeah, um, so in 1839, he gave up. And moved to, well, he gave up living in England and moved to Venezuela because there he could receive a pension as a general. Because he was a general who served in the Venezuelan War of Independence under Bolivar. Simon Bolivar, I think is how it is. I only have ever read it. He didn't even really need to do this. He had a pension waiting for him if he went there. Uh, And to end this story... McGregor died on December 4th, 1845. With no consequences. Correct. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, and the bonds still exist, just so you know. I want one. I want it framed. I want it over my computer staring right at me. I want it. You have to have thousands of dollars for that. I don't want it that bad. Oh, I, f- I found another piece of information. All right. So, Poyer was actually a real place. Kate, we've recorded 26 minutes of podcast right now, and you're now telling me that this was actually a place? Sort of. It was, an, it was just a strip of land on, in Honduras, and it still remains undeveloped. So it's basically just a sandbar. Exactly. Yeah, the, the natives are friendly. They're they're about three inches tall, red, have pincers. <laughs> so, uh, Gregor McGregor 
was erased from his clan's history in Scotland. There's no marker of him. And and it's not he's not really marked anywhere near where Poirier was. I don't get why. You'd think that the that his clan would praise him for swindling the English for about 20 years. It's Scotland, yo. Well, at this time Scot Scotland and England were I mean, it was the same they're under the same Great Britain, but they weren't as upset with each other. They were still upset with each other because, don't get me wrong, England took out the clans and decimated Highland culture at this point. But. Damn Scottish, ruined Scotland for the Scots. Yeah, that. You sounded like Sean Connery. That, that's about the only. It was supposed to sound like Willie from The Simpsons, but. Yeah. All right. That's the, the roller coaster of Ma- Gregor McGregor. It's so it's so unusual that we get a story where the the focus gets off scot free. <laughs> I mean, let, let's look at it. Look at nearly no, nearly I'm twenty years of scot free. Nearly twenty years of con, and the only real consequence is that he had to move to France for maybe about a year or two. And two months jail time. Yeah. And, oh dear, I have to eat packets for a year. Oh, no. Oh, no, packets and fancy coffees. Whatever shall I do? No, I just looked looked up the meaning of scot-free. What's the literal meaning of scot-free? It's based off of the Dred Scott case. I think we just set up the next episode. Uh, no, basically, it it's, shows the danger of trying to prove a case on circumstantial evidence alone, which is the Dred Scott case. Yeah. Uh, but right. Scott has been used for a term for tax. But my brain went, oh, that's set that history that it came out of. Yeah, well, I use it colloquially, so. Yeah, I, I was just curious because I'm a researcher. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Anyway. All right, how do we close this dumb show again? We both stare <laughs> in silence. Um, um, we have uh, a face. Uh, how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you find us? Um, you can find us online at uh, the scofflawspodcast.com. I think that's, that's what it is. If I'm wrong, I'll go back and edit it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search the Scofflaws. You can find us on Twitters. Uh, Scofflaws cast, I think it is. God, it's been eight fucking months. Um, find us on Patreon. Uh, give us some money, please. Yeah. Uh, hey, Sean, tell us what we're doing with our new Patreon. Uh, we're switching it to a two-tier system. Uh, uh, first tier, you uh, you get uh, the bonus content that we're going to be putting up there. Second tier, maybe it's a vote for episodes. Yeah, so bonus content basically means that, um, so every show I write, in theory, I write episode notes and I have sources. So you'll have access to that, um, as well as access to a discussion to ask me more questions on the topic if you are not fulfilled. So, and then you may, if you donate, get to see some weird shit like, me trying to play games or trying to 
watch movies that I have no idea what they are. <laughs> yeah, I'll make uh, Kate watch movies that she's never seen. Maybe I'll drag my PlayStation 3 to her place and we'll try and suffer through L.A. Noir. I know of that game. Anyway, yeah, that's our new Patreon. So please, please, please donate so we can uh, keep the lights on at Scofflaw headquarters, even though it's not a headquarters. It's individual houses. <laughs> <laughs> but they both Just, have electricity bills. Yeah. Well, help us feed our dogs. <laughs> yes, help us feed our, our adorable, adorable dogs. If you help us feed our dogs, you will get to see our dogs. It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, for real though. And mine's being very good and sleeping. Mine's shut out of the room. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough rambling. Yeah, that's that's enough. Find us, give us money, please. Uh Dunlaw. Uh Yeah, do that. In Iowa, one armed piano players must perform for free. It wasn't oh. me. It was the one-armed man. I that it opens up a full can of worms on accessibility laws. That law should be off the books, according to ADA. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been the Scofflaws Issue of One Disorder. My name is Sean. This has been my co-host Kate. Say bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. So when McGregor started like petitioning more people for uh or partic-